Great, Shabaka, thank you. Can we pray a moment longer, please? Uh, Our Lord Jesus said just before he uh, left uh, the earth, uh, he said that he would uh, send the spirit of truth to us who will guide us into all truth. Uh, Lord Jesus, we always need your spirit uh, when we read the scriptures, but we uh, are especially conscious of that this evening as we look at a difficult passage. Uh, We pray that you would give us understanding, you would help me as I speak, help us as we listen to hear your truth and to receive it. Amen. Uh, I wonder, have you ever been tempted to give up on someone? Maybe you've got a friend who is always demanding more than you can give. Your heart sinks when you've got another text message from them. Uh, Maybe you've got a colleague at work who is just frankly unreliable. They say they're going to do something, uh, and they never do. Uh, And it's the same again. Sorry, 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 I'll do it next time. But they they never do. Maybe you've got a partner whose word you can never fully trust. Uh, uh, No, I was doing something else that that, that weekend, that that evening. No, I I always love you. I promise I will. Really, I will. Have you ever been tempted to give up on someone? Well, let me take it a little bit deeper for a moment. Uh, Is God ever tempted to give up on us? Is God ever tempted to give up up on us? Does God say when uh, he looks on us, oh no, we're doing it again and again. I've told him once, I don't want him doing that thing. Um, That's it. That's all, it's all, uh, I'll give up on him. Maybe he doesn't give up on us now, but might he be tempted to give up on us at some point in the future? Well, that question is, in essence, the, the question that uh, St. Paul is dealing with in this chapter in Romans. Uh, he's been showing us, if you've been joining us uh, for our series through uh, Romans, uh, that God has again and again stretched out his hands to the nation of Israel, and yet he's been rejected. And nothing seems to have changed. The years have gone by, and it's just got worse. It's carried on again and again. And it begs that very question. Has God rejected his people? Has he given up on them? Well, I think uh, St. Paul offers us an answer this evening, at least uh, to that question, uh, in two parts. Two parts uh, to his answer. Uh, And the first part of his answer is this. No, God has not rejected his people. No, God has not rejected his people. Uh, Chapter 10 of Romans, if you can uh, see that, if you'd like to keep your Bibles open, that'd be a great help to me. It's uh, page 1000. 137 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, Chapter 10 uh, 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 ends on a very, very terrible note. We can read it here. Uh, Israel is under God's just judgment, uh, and they're refusing to turn to him and accept the rescue that God has offered. Uh, Paul says that God says this to them. All day long I've held up my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And it's hardly surprising, having written that, that Paul then starts chapter 11 uh, by uh, tackling this question that naturally flows from that. And you can see it, can't you, in verse 1. He says, 
I ask then, did God reject his people? Has he given up on them? Uh, what is the answer? Well, it, well, his answer could, be, could not really get any clearer, could it? By no means. By no means. Of course not. Of course he couldn't. And, and to prove uh, Paul's point, to prove that God has not rejected his people, I think he gives us three pieces of evidence in the first half of our reading as to why that can't be the case. Uh, The first piece of evidence is from his own experience. And you can see that, can't you, in uh, verse 1. He uses his own experience. He says, I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. Paul is, of course, writing as one who himself is a Jew. Uh, he can say that he's a descendant of Abraham. He's of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the, 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 the sort of the, the, the leading tribes of the Jews. And of course, if you know anything about St. Paul's history before his dramatic conversion to Christianity, he had been one of the most zealous Jews imaginable. Uh, he was totally opposed to Jesus. He was totally opposed to Jesus' friends, his church. And yet when he met Jesus, everything changed. As he himself uh, describes it later in the New Testament, he said, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me in abundance. He was shown grace uh, in abundance. Paul found Jesus. And along with finding Jesus, he found forgiveness. Uh, He found a new direction in his life. Uh, previously, he'd been seeking to destroy the gospel. He could have done anything he could to stop uh, people becoming Christians, to stop the good news of Jesus Christ expanding across the world. And instead, he became its greatest advocate. If God had given up on the Jews, says Paul, he would never have transformed me in the way that he had. First piece of evidence, St. Paul himself. Uh, the second piece of evidence that he gives us is from theology. Or put it another way, it's from what Paul knows about God and his character and how he works. And again, he says in verse 2, God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Paul knows that from the very beginning, the Bible explains that God has chosen a people for himself. And Paul says that if God has chosen a people... If those people are both Jews and non-Jews or or, or Gentiles, uh, to be together, to be in a relationship with God, then again, it stands to reason that it's impossible that he could have rejected Israel. God has promised it. The whole Bible testifies to it. God is not going to go back on the word that he had promised. Second piece of evidence from theology. The third piece of evidence. The third piece of evidence that Paul points to is Israel's history. We'll have to flick over the page uh, to this. Uh, This is uh, verse 2. He quotes, uh, specifically, he looks at the example of one of Israel's greatest prophets, uh, the prophet Elijah. I don't know how much you know about Elijah, but God raised Elijah up uh, at a time in uh, Israel's history when when it seemed as if all of Israel had rejected God and gone wandering after the pagan god uh, Baal. Uh, it had seemed as if all Israel had, had rejected God. 
And in despair, the Bible, uh, the Bible uh, records for us how Elijah cried out to God. He complained to him that Israel had effectively been destroyed. They'd been wiped out. So there was nobody left. But God hadn't given up on Israel. He hadn't given up on Elijah. Uh, what was God's answer to him? Uh, Paul quotes for us verse 4. I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time, says Paul, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Uh, Paul says that just uh, as those many years before, when Elijah had cried out to God, and God had shown him the truth that he still had his people preserved. So Paul says that is true today. Uh, God has preserved a small number of people, a a remnant of people, he calls, a a faithful people to be his own. Even in the darkest of times, even when it seems like everyone has fallen away, there's nobody left, God is working to his plan and he has refused to give up on his people. He's a remnant chosen by grace. I wonder if you've ever played uh, hide-and-seek. Uh, I used to love playing hide-and-seek when I was, I was younger. Um, I would um, love to go off and find the most ingenious hiding place that I could possibly find. Uh, and I'd persuade my brother, uh, somewhat reluctantly, to come and look for me. Uh, sometimes he would uh, get invi- involved in the game and he would uh, spend as long as he could looking for me. Uh, sometimes, if I'm honest, he just got bored and uh, went off and did something else. And he just sort of left me and eventually I kind of came out and... You know, said you, you couldn't find me. Uh, I won, as it were. Uh, in a way, the, the Bible explains that they're also a, a playing game of hide-and-seek. And it's a little bit like that. Uh, all of us have broken God's rules, whether we like to admit it or not. All of us have turned our back on him. And all of us are trying to hide from him. Uh, we don't want God to be in charge of our lives. We would rather be in charge of them ourselves. But... God isn't like my brother, who would give up if he couldn't find us, (laughs) go and do something else. The Bible tells us that God is the great seeker. We might think we're great hiders, but God is an even greater seeker. He never gives up. He relentlessly pursues his people to come after them, uh, to carry us home, to carry us to relationship with him. Uh, He's always done it. Even right from the very beginning of the Bible, we're told that Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. Before they uh, turned away from him, they lived in perfect relationship with him. Then it all went wrong, they turned their back on him, and we're we're told they went hiding from him. And yet God sorts them out. And that's always been the way of it. God has always sought his people out, even uh, when they have tried to hide from him. And it finds its fulfillment, ultimately, in the Lord Jesus. Uh, he explained to his mission the reason why he had come in these terms. He said, the Son of Man, Jesus, has come to seek and save that which was lost. You and me. He came to seek us out, to be the saviour, the rescuer that all of us need. Uh, I wonder if you're hiding from God this evening. Maybe you are. Maybe you know that you are. You don't really want God to seek you out. There's things that you've done that you're ashamed of that you you, uh, wish you'd never done. 
and you don't really think that he would want to know you, you're hiding from him. Uh, God is the great seeker. He's come after us, uh, not because he wants to hurt us, but because he loves us. And he has a plan for us and a plan for our lives. And he can sort out all the junk that we're so ashamed of. He doesn't reject his people. He wants to, uh, to come to you. He wants to be your heavenly father, uh, just as you were created to be. Uh, why don't you let him come and seek you out this evening? Uh, maybe you're praying for somebody who you know, somebody who's very close to you, who you know is hiding from God. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a, a friend or a, a, a relation. Maybe it's a colleague. You know that they are hiding from God. Uh, they're a prodigal, if you want to use that kind of language. Uh, maybe you've prayed for them for a very long time, and you're almost deep down wondering if they will ever come back. And you're really tempted to give up on them. Friends, don't despair. Uh, God in his kindness never gives up on those who are lost. He always seeks them out. That's what Paul tells us here. God has not rejected his people. He's not rejected his people. I said that there were two halves, uh, two, two parts to Paul's answer. Uh, the first part is that God has not rejected his people. And yet the second part is sadly that God's people have though rejected him. God's people uh, have rejected him. Paul has said that Israel are still parts of God's plans, and that is true. But that means that he's forced to face up to a, a, a very, very difficult truth. And, and you can see it in verse 7. He says, uh, What then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain. Uh, we've seen this repeatedly, haven't we? Uh, through particularly this section of Romans over the last few weeks. The great failure of Israel was that they tried to earn God's favour. They tried to uh, get right with God through their own efforts, rather than accepting it as God's loving gift in the Lord Jesus. Uh, Paul says that some, who he calls the elect uh, in this uh, passage, some have trusted in Jesus. There are some people who have obtained the salvation that the nation of Israel was longing for. But sadly, he says, uh, the vast majority, or the others as he refers to them here, uh, haven't. Uh, he says the others were hardened. Uh, the more they've rejected God, the thicker their skin has grown. Uh, the more resistant they are to his love and mercy. They've rejected him, they've become hardened. How could this happen? How could Israel reject their saviour? Well, Paul's difficult answer, and it is a difficult answer, uh, is that ultimately it is because God has hardened them himself. He says the, the others uh, were hardened. Uh, they've hardened their hearts to him, and God in turn has hardened them as well. Again, he says for us here that it was what God always said would happen. Uh, and he quotes uh, here from the Old Testament to, to back up uh, his argument. Uh, he quotes first in uh, verse 8 from uh, Moses and Isaiah. 
Uh, and Moses and Isaiah, two great figures from uh, uh, Israel's history, both uh, warned that God's people would have eyes to see and ears to hear, and to, to, to hear and to see all that God had done for them, and yet they would be blind and they would be deaf. Uh, verse 8. Unless God works a miracle in their lives, they wouldn't get it. They would have eyes, they would have ears, and yet they would be unable to see and hear what God had done. Uh, The second quote he gives is uh, from a time when uh, King David, one of Israel's greatest kings, was praying for his enemies to get what they deserved. And Paul is using it here and and saying that, that just as King David's enemies... Were, were, were punished for opposing God's king, that was King David, how much more will it be true that the enemies of the true king, the Lord Jesus, the final king, the king above all kings, how much more is it true that those who oppose him will experience the just punishment that they deserve, that is reserved for those who don't acknowledge him, who won't call him lords of their lives? Uh, David prayed, may their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent forever. That will be the experience of those who turn their backs on Jesus, who will not call him their king. Uh, They won't be able to see. Uh, They will be bound to the slavery uh, of their sin. They must face the consequences because they have rejected him. Uh, I don't know how you would describe yourself uh, this evening, but, but if you would describe yourself as a Christian, uh, as a friend of Jesus, uh, I wonder if you could think back with me to the, the, the time when you first responded to the good news that Jesus died and rose again for you. Can you, can you think back to that first time when it became real to you? Uh, I don't know when that was. Uh, maybe it was during a sermon in church. It was a little bit like this, perhaps. Maybe it was a talk at a, a summer camp or, or a, a university mission. Or maybe it was after a conversation with a friend or, or a family member. Maybe you can't really remember, to be honest. Uh, you just know that at, at some point it happens, and, uh, and that's wonderful. I wonder if you've ever wondered, uh, why, why, why did I become a Christian? Why, why, why are you a Christian this evening? And yet the person who sat next to you at that meeting perhaps is not. Why did you respond to the good news of Jesus Christ and yet countless others did not? I don't know. Uh, Of course, there are many factors involved in why somebody responds to the good news of Jesus and somebody else does not. But at the heart of it, uh, the, the reason why we are friends of God this evening is because in his undeserving kindness and his love, God chose us. We didn't choose him. He chose us to be his friends. It's not because we're somehow better than other people. We, we know that's not true if we're, we're honest with ourselves. We, we know full well we're not. It's not because we, we come from a better family. It's not because we, we might have Christian ancestors going back centuries. It's not why God uh, chose us. It's not because we've been baptised or confirmed, as great as those things might be. It is simply because God lovingly showed us the truth about ourselves, 
the truth about what he had done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, in sending him to be our saviour on the cross and dying for us to take away our sin. And in his love, by his spirit, he enabled our hearts to, to see that and to turn to him and respond to him. We, we can't fully understand it. Uh, many people have tried. We, we never will. It's beyond our understanding. It's a mystery why, why God works in some people to bring them to salvation uh, and yet not in others. It, it's also a mystery for us why uh, the Bible is clear that God is, is behind our rescue. He is the ultimate reason that we are, uh, are, are Christians. And yet at the same time, we are also entirely accountable for the decisions that we make about the gospel. We can't understand how those two things uh, fit together. It doesn't seem to work to us. And yet the Bible seems no contradiction. That's how it presents it. The Bible holds it together. Uh, Many of us, I guess, struggle with this particular Bible truth. We we don't often like to think about this. Uh, As a preacher, so often I I think I talk about it in terms of it's your response to make. And there is, of course, an element of truth in that. Uh, So often it seems cruel, doesn't it? It seems unfair. Why would God choose some and not choose others? I want you to listen to what another preacher, a great preacher, far greater preacher than me, had to say about this. This is what Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest ever preachers, had to say about this particular Bible truth. He said, this truth, this doctrine of election, is one of the softest pillows on which a Christian can lay his head and one of the strongest sticks on which he can lean. The doctrine of election is one of the softest pillows on which a Christian can lay his head and one of the strongest staffs on which he can lean. How could anybody say that about this truth? Uh, Well, think about it. Uh, For a start, what a joy to know that our salvation does not rest on us. It's Palm Sunday, isn't it? It's the time uh, time of the year when the church remembers how Jesus came into Jerusalem as a king. And yet, just a week later, that, that crowd who'd acclaimed him as king were calling for his head to be crucified. Is that not how our hearts are? We're here this, this evening praising God and saying, we want, Jesus, we want you to be our king. We, we love you. We adore you. And then tomorrow, who knows where we'll be? We have fickle hearts. Isn't it such a comfort to know that salvation doesn't depend on our fickle hearts, but on the faithfulness of God in Jesus Christ? That, friends, is a comfort, is it not? Isn't it just an encouragement as well to, to be able to pray? To know that God in mercy can, ha- can soften even the hardest of hearts. That family member we know who has been running from him, it seems like, for eternity. That colleague who constantly derides us for being Christians. We think that they will never possibly turn to Jesus Christ. If God is in charge, who are we to say that he cannot work in someone's heart? He can soften the hardest of hearts in his mercy. God's people have rejected him, but God never rejects his people. Has God given up on Israel? No, says Paul. God never gives up on his people, even if they give up on him. In his sovereign grace, he is working, just as he has always been working throughout all eternity, to draw a people to himself for his praise and for his sovereign glory. Praise God this evening that he has included us in that plan. 
And we can pray, can't we, that he will work continually to draw many, whether they are Jews or non-Jews, to join us in his people, to respond to the good news of rescue in Jesus Christ and to praise his name for all eternity. Let's pray, shall we? Well, Jesus, how we praise you that you don't give up on us, but you did come to be the saviour. We know we have fickle hearts. We know that one minute we uh, praise you, the next minute we run away from you. And we praise you that in your mercy you have chosen us to be your people. Uh, We pray that you would have mercy on those who don't yet know you. Uh, Whoever they are, whether they are Jews, whether they are Gentiles, we pray that you would be building your people, drawing them in, showing them the truth about themselves and the truth about your cross. And we pray that you would use us in that as well. May we keep praying, may we keep proclaiming the good news that we have found, that you may be glorified. Amen.